for Easter Sunday. Our text is Matthew chapter 28. And if you don't have a Bible, uh, the words will be on the screen or you can follow along in the Bible in the pew in front of you, pew rack in front of you. But we're looking at Matthew chapter 28, the very last chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 10, then skip down to verse 16 through 20. Hear the word of God as it's found in Matthew chapter 28, the story of the resurrection. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here, for He is risen, as He said. Come see the place where He lay, then go quickly and tell the disciples that He has risen from the dead, and behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. A little boy was driving past the cemetery with his dad and the little boy noticed a mound of dirt in a giant hole and he said, look dad, someone got out. Well, we're all here today because 2,000 years ago, someone got out. We're here today, and the only reason we're here today is that 2,000 years ago, someone walked out of the grave. You see, even Paul says, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, if there is no resurrection, then our faith is worthless. If there is no resurrection, then this whole thing called Christianity is nothing but a fraud. It is the very literal, physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago that is our only hope. There is no faith. There is no Christianity. There is no Easter. And if there was not a real resurrection 2,000 years ago, then don't bother coming back next week or the following week. Because it's all a fraud if there was no resurrection. The only reason we're here this morning is because a man walked out of the grave 2,000 years ago. 
Christopher Hitchens, leading skeptic and atheist before he died, was leading a lecture trying to tear down the truths of Christianity, trying to tear down the truths of the resurrection. And a woman stood up at the end of the lecture and said, Mr. Hitchens, the faith and the religion that you tend to criticize and are skeptical of is typically of the conservative faith people that believe in a literal resurrection, but I'm of more of the liberal persuasion. I don't believe that the Bible's the Word of God. I don't believe that the resurrection really happened. Do you make any distinction between those that believe that Jesus really rose from the dead and those that don't? And to her surprise, he said, ma'am, if you do not believe in the Christ... And if you do not believe that he literally raised from the dead, you cannot be a meaningful Christian. From the mouth of an atheist, the resurrection changes everything. He makes all things new, including you. And this power, this power that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago, Paul goes on to say in a letter to the Ephesians, he says that power, that power that raised Jesus from the dead... For those that know Christ, that power is now in you. So for a brief moment this morning, I want us to look at what is that power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection that turned this world upside down 2,000 years ago. And to do that, I want us to simply look at two verses. In the context of the passage that we read, the story of the resurrection, I want us to look at two verses to show and to display the power of the resurrection in you and in me. And we're going to look at simply verses 19 and 20. Verses 19 through 20 are part of what the church has historically called the Great Commission. These are the very first words, the commissioning words of the resurrected Jesus to his followers. These were their marching orders. This was their call to action in response to Jesus being raised from the dead. What is the resurrection power? Well, the first power that we see, the first thing that we see is the power of a changed life. And we see that in verse 19 with the simple words, go therefore and make disciples. You see, that was, a, that was an amazing calling for a first century Jew to go out and make disciples. What Jesus was trying to say is that no longer does your faith and this relationship between you and me reside amongst yourself, but now you're called to go out and do something with it. You are the very means, the very agents, the very ambassadors that will go out and bring and announce God's transforming work. And the reality is what Jesus is saying is, don't just go out there and tell people about me. Don't just go out there and tell a good story. He says, go out there and make disciples. What he is saying is, you now have the resurrection power, the power to change somebody's heart and life from the inside out. It's not your power, but you have resurrection power. Go and make disciples disciples. We see through the resurrection the power for lives to be transformed and changed forever. 
from going from being someone who lives in this world and according to the ways of this culture to someone who is now transformed and made fully and wholly a disciple and follower of Jesus Christ that can only come through the power of the resurrection. A teenager once overheard someone mocking Christianity and this person mocking Christianity was saying, how could you be so ignorant to believe in a resurrection? How could you be so ignorant to believe in somebody who performed miracles? How could you be so ignorant to believe in someone who turned water into wine? And with that, the teenager said, I can. I can believe it. I've seen it. And the guy goes, yeah, right. He says, no, 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 I've, I've actually seen something better. The teenager goes on to say, I've seen Jesus turn wine into bread and into meat and into rent money. He goes on to say, you, you have to understand, my dad was an alcoholic and he spent his entire paycheck and he drank it away. And we had to move from house to house because we couldn't pay the bills. And every night we went to bed hungry. But now my dad met Jesus. And now he holds a steady job. And now he provides for his family. And now he loves his wife and he loves his kids. Oh yes, I've seen Jesus turn wine into meat and wine into bread and wine into rent money. I've seen the power of a transformed life. But not only do we see the power of a transformed life through the resurrection, we also see in this passage the power of a new purpose. Jesus goes on to say, not only go out therefore and make disciples, but go and make disciples of all nations. And you can only imagine the audacity of this calling to a first century Jew. Up until this point, the mission of God was reserved for one nation. And if you know anything about the Jewish faith, it is a private faith. And now all of a sudden, these first century Jews, knowing full well that up until this point, that the mission of God was reserved just for our people, and we had never in our history been called to go out, certainly not to go out amongst the nations, you can imagine how audacious this call was. And the only explanation... The only explanation for a small tribe of individuals, an obscure tribe of individuals, to go out and to go out from Jerusalem and to Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world, the only explanation for how today we are still recognizing this 2,000 years later in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, is something had to remarkable, something remarkable had to happen on that Sunday morning. It's the only explanation. You see, it was through the resurrection that these people had new purpose. The power of a new calling, the, call, the power of a new mission. It's the only explanation. Think even the story of this church, the story of our founding pastor being radically converted in the 1950s, and then in 1959, calling Dr. Kennedy and his wife, Ann Kennedy, down to North Fort Lauderdale, and those that were here in 1959 understood what North Fort Lauderdale looked like, and then to take 40-some-odd people into a church plant that would one day go into every nation of the world. That's resurrection power. There is no other explanation for it. 
That is the power of the resurrection giving you new purpose and new mission and new calling. And for some of you, even today, you sit here and your whole life you've been longing for purpose and direction and calling. And I say, look no further than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It empowered an obscure tribe of people 2,000 years ago and it can empower you today. A new mission, a new purpose, a new calling. But lastly... We not only see the power of a changed life, we not only see the power of new purpose, but lastly, we see here in this passage the power of an incredible promise. Jesus ends this commission with these words in verse 20, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. For a first century Jew, they understood the presence of God. But they understood that the presence of God could only be accomplished through sacrifice. The presence of God could only be accomplished through perpetual sacrifice every year, making sacrifice and atonement at the temple. That was the only way in which they could have the presence of God. And now Jesus is telling them, the resurrected Jesus is saying, now you can have my presence forever with no strings attached. You can have my presence forever. I am with you always. With no more sacrifice and no more atonement for sin because it is finished forever. I am the one, the God-man, the very Son of God who has come down to bring a people that were once estranged together forever. You see, the problem all the way back to the garden in Genesis chapter 3 is that when sin entered the world, we were separated from God. We were separated from the very one who made us and created us. And all throughout the Bible and all throughout history and even all throughout your life, whether you realize it or not, you have been estranged from God and you've been longing for and searching for that thing which only God can provide. His very presence. And the good news of Easter Sunday is that Jesus announces not only to those disciples 2,000 years ago, but announces to you this morning that through me and only through me, you can have the very thing you've longed for your entire life. The promise of the resurrection is that you get God forever. This is why Jesus came. He came for the estranged so that you now could be inseparable from God. He sent His Son so that you could now be reunited and reconciled from the God that you've always longed for. Elena Adams was nine years old living in Tampa, and her dad had been gone for two years. Separated from her dad for two years because her dad was serving in the army in Afghanistan. And separated for two years from her dad, a group from the USO and the Major League Baseball team, the Tampa Bay Rays, got together and said, how can we do something special for some of the children that have are missing a mother or father who have gone off to war. 
And they came across this name, Elena Adams, who had been missing her dad, been separated from her dad for two years. And so the USO and the Tampa Bay Rays, they got together and they called Elena's parents and they said, we want to celebrate Elena and we want to do something special for her. We're going to invite her to the game this Thursday night to throw out the first pitch. And so that Thursday night, May of 2013 comes. Elena, nine years old, walks out of the dugout, nervous as can be, walks to the pitching mound, and she throws as hard as she can that first pitch. And then something happens that she never expected. As the ball rolls to the catcher, the catcher stands up, and he takes off his mask. And to the surprise of Elena and Elena's mom, there is her dad. And as fast as she could go, Elena sprints to her father, and they embrace one another right there on the field. At the end of the game, they interviewed Elena, and they said, what did you think? And she said, I have to be honest, for a minute I thought I was dreaming And then I realized it was true. My dad had come for me. My dad had come home. You see, for some of you this morning, the thought of God wanting a relationship with you seems like a dream. But the good news of the resurrection, the good news of Easter Sunday, is that that dream has come true. Through Jesus and through Jesus alone, you can have the very thing you've longed for but never knew where to find it, God. The good news of the resurrection is you get God forever. It is through the life of Jesus, the life that you could never have lived. It is through the death of Jesus, the death that you should have died and Him being raised on the third day that gives us our only hope in this life that I can be with the very one that I was made to be with, that I was once estranged, but now I'm inseparable from my God. Jesus can be yours today. And I can only imagine the stories of that first Easter Sunday. Can you imagine the stories of those men and women who encountered the risen Christ those first hours? But I want to ask you this question. What will your Easter story be? Easter 2017, what will your Easter story be? Because just as Jesus was offered to those disciples 2,000 years ago, the resurrected Jesus is offered to you today to receive him as the very one and the only one who offers hope and life and life more abundantly. The invitation is for you today to come to him. One of Jesus' followers, John, writes this, that whoever believes in Jesus God gives them the right to be called a children of God, a child of God. And my prayer is that you do not leave here this morning 
without entering into that relationship, embracing Jesus as the one who is not dead, but he is alive and alive for you.